Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Rob Enough. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Uh, Rob and I are back again. Uh, we thought we would do a quick little recap, our, our thoughts sort of on the Sunday of the weekend after we posted all the polls for the spring painting challenge. Uh, you say we, so, but don't you mean me? Because it's all you, a, right? As in me, as in me, as I posted. Yes, Unless you're talking about the a, royal we. <laughs> the royal, well, uh, I should deserve a title after all the work. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, was, <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it was a labor of love. I was happy to do it. Um so right now, everything's being voted on, and Rob and I just wanted to get together, talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we loved that uh, wasn't selected as a finalist, but still stuff that we love. You know, Rob, I think we really ran into where we had so many entrants, we had to narrow it down, but but I don't want to take anything away from anyone who didn't get into the honorable mention or finalists. Uh, there was really like tons of really awesome stuff. So we wanted to kind of take a minute and pick out, talk about, give some credit to some of our favorites that didn't make it into the polls. You know, we had three finalists and two honorable mentions. That's five people, five, five entries out of, in some cases, you know, 75 or 80 or however many, I don't even know, but a lot, you're not seeing a lot of it, right? When you're looking at that poll, you're only seeing three of them plus the two honorable mentions. So, uh, there was a lot more creativity than just what was shown in those, those few models, those few units. So yeah, we wanted to kind of share a little bit of the background, what we liked, some of the things that we thought were really cool that were inspiring. And then I think we, we circle back to like, what have we learned right from this experience? You read my mind. What exactly. Yeah. You know, what worked, what didn't work. I think when I had first come up with, for the idea to do it and we were talking about it, I don't think any of us had any idea of how many people would get excited and want to take park part in it. So definitely, I think that uh, for next time we have a, a bunch of ideas that Rob and I will circle back to about how to make it uh, uh, better, uh, more streamlined for the next time. But what Rob and I are going to do is we're just going to kind of run through some of the other entries that we really liked um, that didn't quite make it. Um, so I have we have the uh, the Mantic uh, submission thread, and we're just going to kind of uh, work through it. You know, some stuff uh, uh, that I liked as I'm just going through it. You know, obviously Joe Neat's Hellboy stuff was really cool. A very interesting use of models that I would never have thought in a million years you could put into a Kings of War army. Like really creative. Um, uh, you know, we all know Joe's a great painter. He does commission stuff. But I really love the idea of thinking about how can I make a Mantic army without with using Mantic models but not being tied down to only Kings of War stuff. You know, my favorite of all of his stuff that he made for the Hellboy army was the, uh, the, the, the the baby Hellboy, or the young Hellboy, standing on that giant worm. I thought that was really, 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 really cool. Yeah, it was hilarious. And then I thought his uh, the shading on the muscles of his main Hellboy was, like, really nicely done. And just, like, a creative, uh, really creative project. And the next one that jumped out to me is obviously Patch Adams. I know he got a couple of nods, um, but just in general, his stuff is crazy good. Um, it's, it's almost like... Uh, like an impressionist painting. Yeah, no, it was really, really solid. Uh, very kind of like you say, unique. And in in picking 
and as we're talking about this, you know, uh, how we sort of decided on the finalists is all the members of the counter charge team. We voted for our top five, pay, five favorites in each category. And we sort of just did like a, if you were, were voted number one, you got a certain amount of points. And then we added up all the points to try to make it, you know, as fair. Yeah. It was just a weighted average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it came down to another thing is that this really was like, a creativity hobby challenge and not so much like a just straight on technical paint. So I know, I think in selecting our winners, we really wanted to highlight people at different places in their hobby journey, you know, and give them like credit and give them kudos and realize that we're all on a hobby journey at different, different places. And I know uh, for me, I was really looking for stuff technically good but also just something that was cool or that sparked my imagination or so i don't want anyone to feel bad if they weren't selected or what you know there was just so much cool stuff it was it would have been i wish i could have selected everyone as a finalist you know but it's just i i do want to mention drew richardson um yes definitely his little uh goblin hero was fantastic i know that's a resin i think it's a resin mm-hmm. uh piece from the goblin vanguard set um you know, I really like I going. really like Joe Joe Crone's dwarves. Oh, so Just beautiful! Super, yeah, really super clean, super classic. Very like uh, less is more. He had some cool like uh, oxide stuff on his right. weathering. The on patina his and stuff on, was really fantastic. On 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 his steel behemoth was just like super solid. That was definitely one of my uh, uh, up there and one of my favorites exactly. as far as yeah. uh, uh, just a nice elegant like what you can do with like really solid color choices. I also like Skeld's, you know, Queen on Chimera. I thought that was really mm-hmm. really cool. I think Rob, we saw some of the you know the usual offenders like we all know who the best painters are right when it comes to technical paint so we saw stuff from you know the billies and dans and austins and all that stuff amazing and incredible and i think that it's good to acknowledge that and we're not like not acknowledging it on purpose but i think also a great aspect of this challenge is to see stuff from people who are at all different skill levels and to see stuff like like Matthew Temple's Abyssal Army, oh, I thought was so really awesome. Cool. That, that's my favorite army. Vibrant. Yeah, that was yeah. my favorite army. I just love the color scheme. The purple and the green really popped. Um, pages, pages, lady bros with uh, all that like pink and really, you know, popping colors was well, super fun. With, with Paige, it was just so creative. Um, the uh, the thing he used to make the the magical thing coming off the the the, the the staff, yeah, yeah like it was a, totally awesome. And then putting wings cool. on a on a frost fang. Who would have thought to do that? That's just crazy, but it's cool, yeah. and I like cool. Yeah, re- really neat. You know, so out of the mantic category, I saw. We, I think we saw like a bunch of really awesome stuff. Um, that's probably one of the things I was really excited for. Rob was not only to see awesome stuff painted, yeah, but to see I, you know cool mantic. I do stuff want to shout painted. out to, to Matt Wiseman. You know, he is relatively new. He's a local guy, and he is relatively new to Kings of War, less than a year, and he has been knocking out some fantastic stuff. Um, he's the one that painted up the uh, the Vanguard Abyssal Dwarf set, just, yeah, which mm, came out good. really good. Um, for those that, you know, a little inside baseball there, uh, the head on Charnox was missing, so I know Elvis has replaced it, and it's in the mail, but... If, if you're curious, that's why there's no head on the Charnox. Uh, and also, huge shout-out to Kyle Poole. It was an interesting... Um, monochromatic. I don't know what the word is, but you know the black and white with very. You know, I think the only bright colors red on those models. And I thought that was an interesting kind of like Sin Sin City esque yeah, sort of yeah. style. It was interesting, interesting style. And you know that kind of you know King Bowen 
was another entrant in another category uh, that we'll get to. They had sort of the same kind of thing going on. Um, but yeah, it the Mantic category was just bonkers, dude. I mean, just some really, really cool stuff. I, I thought Steven's Tux, uh, Zardrak the Enslaver, which was like a, a flying, he did like a, a winged half breed monster like abyssal dwarf guy where it's like he's like flying and it's like super uh oh super the conversion work on that is insane yeah right it's really cool yeah really cool idea because that to make that model like in flight was like a really creative idea exactly exactly Uh, and it was cool to see like we saw some dead zone teams yeah richard hall Hall had his dead zone team so we saw some um cool stuff from like the other uh other mantic games which was really cool to see um uh you know martin thurwell did like a bunch of cool abyssal dwarf stuff i know he works at mantic joe works at mantic obviously did like a bunch of cool stuff so yeah so i felt like the 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 mantic category we had like a lot of really solid creative entrance absolutely cool so what do you want to do next Let's just talk about some of the stuff we liked from the all the other entrants. So this was the uh, the same sort of main categories, you know, hero, monster, unit. But this you could use like whatever models you wanted. Um, you know, I think uh, Jake's Ghoulgast was super cool, super awesome. You know, Jake from Unplug Radio, he did like a great job. Was super cool. I think I think that you know he got nominated for a lot of categories, and I think it's really cool that his his stuff's getting highlighted is also from unplugged radio greg person's goblin army that he did with contrast paints i think this is really a, a awesome army because it shows what people can do with like good basing smart color choice contrast paints that you know getting a it we don't live in a better time to get a solid quality tabletop level army painted mm-hmm. you know Look at what he did in like a month. It's crazy. So I think this was a good example of like what you can do at home with different speed techniques. Drew Richardson, uh, I loved his uh, Brace Striders conversion, kind of like Undead Centaurs. Thought those were really, really great. Yeah. And then like you mentioned, uh, all his, yeah, that was a really creative uh, conversion. And you mentioned like uh, King Bowen stuff was really good. You know, he did the one big monster, but then he had his hero that like... uh, is that a Lord of the Rings model? Do you know what model that was? Maybe, or maybe is it like uh, Song of Ice and Fire? I'm not sure. But it was super cool. And then he also did, he had uh, his really cool kind of black and white um, unit uh, from, I think it's from uh, Shadespire. Yeah, it's like all the uh, the ghosts with the roses and stuff. Kind of a monochromatic color scheme, a la like what Kyle Poole was doing. And there's obviously Ben Rental, right? Uh, is it Ben Rantail or is it Rental? I think it's Rental. I don't know. I'm mad because I I want to apologize to everyone if I'm if I have a typo in your name when I was doing all the polls. All I can say is I had hundreds of entrants. I was I got hundreds of Facebook messages that day. I also had to work a full ten hour day that Friday, so I just apologize in advance in advance if I uh, if there's a typo in your name anywhere. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Ben's stuff was really, really, really super cool. Very original. And, you know, I, I love the ties. I don't know why he put ties on the uh, uh, the skinwalkers. I think they're called skinwalkers from uh, Forge World. But yes, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be something, Ben, if next time you guys do a, a, a direct misfire, maybe talk about like what your army theme is, because maybe they can do a missive on it. Yeah, do a missive. Uh-huh. 
uh, that would be really cool. So because it came out great, all all his stuff was uh, really awesome, fantastic. Lackland Jensen, I really liked his unit as a Kingdoms of Men Pike Ward because that brother is full model count, <laughs> and there is mm-hmm. forty dudes on that base, and he he has them base really well. Like he has the front rake with their spears, like you know, slanted. And then the second rank, they're a little higher up and the last rank. They're straight up and down. Plus his brass, like copper bronze awesome. is really, really solid. He's got a little water effects in the base, you know, just like, like you said, really solid unit. And Wade Durant, uh, pff, the, I guess it's the airbrush work on those shields on the uh, siege breakers. Uh, pff, some fantastic work on those shields, man. They are cool. Wade's a good hobbyist. You know, Wade, he's proud of, part of the San Diego crew. He plays with, you know, Rashad and Scott Holcomb and all those guys. Mike Grant's all part of that group. And, you know, Wade has a bunch of armies painted. You know, he's a, a good hobbyist. He's got a bunch of cool stuff. So, yeah, definitely cool stuff. And Ben Stoddard uh, knocking out another army, it looks like. Yeah, but he's a machine. How does he do it, though? If he's writing novels and he's on countercharge. Yeah, who knows? You know, he's a teacher, right? So when does he have time to paint? I thought Drew Richardson's cockatrice model was cool, too. Yeah, that was a warm. Was that a warm horse model that he used? I think so. I'm not familiar. You know, there's so many models. I apologize that we don't know all the companies. But yeah, very cool. Um, you know, it's funny, Rob. We just I just finished listening to. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I would definitely go check it out in our like clavelcade of content that we've been releasing the 3d printing episode, you know, Hank Googe, he 3d resin prints all his models. So like his stuff that, uh, got put up for finalists, both his tree unit and his water unit are all resin 3d printed. So if you're curious to see, like after hearing how to do 3d printing, if you want to see, well, what does it look like when it's actually put together and painted, make sure you definitely go back and take a look at Hank Googe's stuff as most of his stuff is resin 3d printed. That's good, good, good call, good call. Yeah, that was a great episode. I, I, you know, um, it was it was an interesting listen because funny story is that through a friend I got a not resin but the, the F what are they the PLA printers or whatever. Yeah, the filament. I just didn't want to mess with it, so I ended up just giving it to the shop. So I don't think I'm ever gonna buy one. I'm at the point in my life where I just don't have any more time to commit to messing around with the printer. Um, however, I can totally appreciate the stuff that you can knock out with that because, uh, and what I'm saying is I am going to be a consumer, <laughs> uh, rather than a manufacturer. Right. So Rob, I'm right in your same, I don't have the time or space to, to get another hobby because it sounded like their kind of message in that episode was printing in of, of itself is like a hobby you have to get into to do it right. But I know I'm looking at STL files that I love of projects and now I got to find out who's going to be like my printing factory, you know, like Alex has got to get more into it so I can send him all my stuff to print and be like, here, I'll pay you money. Print me stuff. One guy that I want to mention, and, and I feel a little cheating about mentioning him because he's kind of a local guy, but Dylan Murray is a younger guy that's been playing Kings of War for a few years. And he's been hanging out with me and Billy and the rest of you know, Devlin and the rest of the guys here locally. That kid has stepped up his hobby game. And what he's doing now, for, for those that may not remember, he's got like... um. Like a giant alligator is the giant, um, and he's got like a smaller alligator, which I guess is some sort of maybe beast of nature or something. Uh, But he's got one unit where he's got like these skinks on rafts on a little piece of a river, but he's worked in aquarium plants and stuff. And I I just, that was probably the high watermark for just like pure creativity to me, that that was the coolest (laughs) 
<laughs> I just I, I like I like the cool factor on that one. Yeah, and he had cool his water effects were cool and all his bases and had guys riding rafts on like swamps and just like you said, totally creative, totally solid. Uh, really awesome to see people pushing boundaries, you know, trying to kind of step outside their comfort zones and do new and interesting things. And I see Eric Schrobridge just painted up some Brock Riders, so I guess Brock Riders are actually good? Well, they must be, because that guy ain't put nothing in his army that ain't good, so... You heard it here first. A repeat customer, Alaric, yeah, some great models. I know some of them made some of the, the final cuts, but just everything he put in was really, really outstanding. Um, I also like Nick Braddock's army. Yes, definitely. That blue tone is, you know, it's a cool color. Cool as in not like A, but like cool as in yeah, not warm. Yeah, warm versus cool right? color palette. So it's yeah. an unusual color palette or a color choice uh, for a what's typically uh, an abyssal army. It's sort of the same thing I liked about Temple's army, right? Which is, it is not a oh my God, they're lava-based and they're red. <laughs> like 90% of the stuff we see. Yeah, it's something different, which I which I really, really appreciated. Um, I guess we should mention Josh Rosado. He's a mad scientist and uh, he was high on my list for a number of things. Just um, those the scouts for his ogre army were just out of control. Cool. And just another example of what... Uh, of what you can do in a short period of time frame if you use some speed techniques, you know, his his stuff was and and he, I mean he's a great painter. He has like a a, a Ratkin army that's like all laboratories and like really cool. He's a, a very uh, good hobbyist. And I did want to mention, you know, Clive Stone painted up a two K Nightstalker army in three days. So I'm waiting for him to respond to my message about taking on a commission because. <laughs> 2,000 points in three days is, is quite the quite the feat. You know, it's crazy what some people can do uh, quick, you know? I mean, it's crazy. And Eldon's army, uh, really awesome goblin army. I like this giant quite a bit. Uh, there, there are a lot of cool... I mean, you know, there's... You know, and, and one thing, I don't remember if we even did this. Did we do the train category? I know we only had a couple entries. You know, that was a, that's a good reminder. I knew we were going to do a train category. But I think there's like two entries and Joe Crone had one, which is a cornfield, which turned out to be super, super awesome. Yeah, it was just one of those things where I think just without having a minimum amount of entrance, it just seemed, I guess. I think there might have only been two or three. You know, yeah. and I think that that's a good lead way into like, um, you know, what we kind of learned from this whole thing. I don't know. Was there any other models you wanted to highlight? No, no. I, I think Michael Percy, I wanted to mention his model. Oh, so good. So good. He did does some uh, uh, non-metallic metal stuff really nice. And, and so. it's amazing. And again, we we come down to like, you know, so many of these things could have all been finalists. Yeah. But just like, lo- just logistically trying to keep it moving and organized, we had to make like a, a, a demarcation line somewhere. Um, but... As far as moving forward for next time, Rob, there definitely was some stuff logistically I think we probably could have done better. You know, I'm definitely a proponent of the growth mindset, which is every challenge you try to find uh, what can I learn, how can I grow. So I think one idea, and we've already talked about this off air, but I think it's it's worth uh, touching on, is maybe next time we do not just different uh types of models but maybe we do some different like skill categories so if you're like a really top end painter you're going to enter the master class and then we'll have like if you're kind of an amateur or you're 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 working on increasing your hobby we maybe we do like a journeyman category or, or, or allow people to try to maybe enter stuff and compete against people who are kind of in their in their similar uh 
path on their journey. I think ultimately there's six counter charge hosts and we all vote. And I think um, we all look for different things. I know for me personally, I'm looking for effort and coolness factor more than just best painted. But ultimately when you look at the finalists, that's what rose to the level, the surface, right? Is, is the really, really high end painted stuff. And so to your point, I think we want to, we want to break it out into multiple categories, right? Um, number two, I would like it to be more than just painting. It's a hobby thing for me, right? And 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 I and I think about it now. We won't call it the counter charge painting challenge. We'll call it the counter charge hobby challenge. I want to see some conversions. I want to see some green stuff. I want to see some sculpting. I want to see some kit bashing. I mean, I know there was some of that in this one, but specifically reward that kind of activity, and then also really hit on efforts, right? So the guy that paints, you know. 200 models versus the guy that paints one model, you know, Hey, I want to give those guys props that, that are knocking it out of the park and also painting, you know? Yeah. It would, it would be great to acknowledge let's, Hey, let's say you have that army on your shelf that you haven't even got assembled yet before painting. Maybe your goal over the hobby challenges, I'm going to, I'm going to assemble 3000 points of something. I mean, that takes a lot of work and it's still hobby related. So I think you're exactly right. I think since this is not, you're not winning a tournament or whatever to try to make this as much about the hobby in a holistic sense as possible and allow you to be able to have uh, inspiration and motivation to take part in whatever aspect of the hobby you feel like working on and having a spot in the hobby challenge to sort of showcase whatever it is you're doing. And we've already uh, been talking. We've got some ideas for the next one. So if, if you remember way back in, I think, 2000. 15, I think that's when it was. We did our first army in a weekend challenge. I don't know that we're ready to go that crazy again, but I could see us uh, working with local retailers and, hey, we all buy a starter box and we paint it up <laughs> and just, you know, something something along those lines. We had talked about, too, about maybe like we do like the unit in a weekend spectacular where maybe we don't try to do a whole army, but we try to do a unit or, you know, I think uh, having like a, um, you know, almost kind of like a weekend hobby convention where we just know as the countercharge family that we're all going to be on After Dark painting for something. I think one thing that was cool that came out of this, Rob, is we started doing After Dark International. Oh, super awesome. We, we'd host an After Dark on Saturday during the day and everyone get on, you know, in in the morning, sometime in the morning, uh continental united states time so then that meant pretty much anyone from the uk our people from australia are basically we we're trying to find that sort of time in the day that no matter where you are in the in the world you could sign on to do after dark so i think trying to keep doing after dark international days i think will be a fun fun idea moving forward so i think that was some of the lessons i think that um I know going in next time, I'll be way more prepared logistically for just the raw numbers um, of how many people wanted to take part. So I think that we have some ideas on how to do that. And then also, too, if there's any suggestions or stuff that for you guys, the audience that came up that you liked, that you didn't like, that you'd like to see difference, you know, just message me or Rob or put it on the Facebook page, you know. In the end, we do this because we like it, but also for for to contribute to the community. So if you guys want something different or have suggestions, you know, we're always open to feedback and ideas and um, whatever you guys have to say. We're happy to hear it. Well, let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side, we'll come back and chat a little bit about the Mantic Open Day or Mantic Virtual Open Day <laughs> that they had this weekend. Hi, this is Rob Berman, and you're listening to Counter Charge. 
And we are back. So as Rob said before the break, this last weekend had a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, they Mantic did their virtual open day. Um, and then also Dash 28 had one of their live streamed battle reports with some um, uh, some of the new magic stuff that's going to be coming out in the uh, summer campaign book. Um, it's really interesting, Rob, to see kind of how, you know, the world keeps moving on, right? So even during this mm-hmm. new crazy time, people are trying to find new and innovative ways to talk about miniature gaming. What's most interesting about this Mantic Open Day, though, was that I think it was more accessible to the world, right? In the past, uh, we would send our roving reporter, Steve, and he would record some content, and we would share it with you. But for the Americans, like myself, we weren't really didn't really feel part of it. We didn't really feel engaged. Yes, totally. Rob Berman did an amazing job. Like, this guy knocked it out of the park. I don't know how long it went for, but there was four or five really great live feeds. I'll I'll mention a couple of them, and maybe uh, we can chat about some of the highlights from them. But obviously, one was with Winged Star. Vince uh, came on and... Really, him and Rob had a great chat about, you know, where Wing to Stars come from and where they're going to go. And I'm really excited to hear about C.L. Warner's, like, trilogy on the history of uh, the Celestians and all that. So I'm super excited about that because I'm a huge Black Library fan from back in the day. And mm-hmm. I love me some C.L. Warner. I mean, the Witch Hunter, still one of my favorite characters. Uh, the Bounty Hunter character that he created, pfft, super awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that, but, uh, it was a really good listen, especially if you're interested in possibly writing for them down the road, they gave a lot of great advice and a, and a lot of great feedback, um, on that. They also talked a lot about, you know, where they are with, uh, Drowned Secrets, which I guess has been the actual physical book has been held up because of this whole madness that we're under, but you can buy the, the digital version and Hey, uh, Jeremy, huge shout out to Ben. I mean, he, this guy totally. knocked, it, knocked it out of the park. Um, I know this is the second full-length novel on Kings of War, and we're just super excited that Ben was so successful with this. Yeah, I mean, writing a novel is a huge feat to take. And I think, like, as you talked about, you know, what Winged Hussar does, which is giving an opportunity for new writers to get experience and to get published, is really an awesome thing. You know, and Ben, you know, uh, I'll summon my inner, inner mark, you know, tip of the hat to Ben. And, uh, you know, way to go. He's been a a great addition to the um, narrative workshop and Mark's team over there. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, publishing a book, I mean, that's like a serious achievement, man. So, again, can't wait to wait it. I'm old-fashioned, so I'm waiting to get my physical book. Mine's on order, but it'll be a little while. But that's okay. I am, like, old school when it comes to that. So, yeah, if you're interested at all in the fiction, and they do touch on uh, not just the the Kings of War fiction, but, you know, uh, I guess there's a... uh, a dreadball novel coming down the pipe and they're going to go back to the Warcraft universe. So it's cool. You know, Mark has been banging on about this for, well, I don't know how old are we? I don't remember how we, you know, a long time about novels. Well, they're here, Mark. (laughs) So we can stop banging the drum, I guess at this point, maybe we keep banging because maybe that's why the novels are coming is because of, uh, you know, uh, Mark's like the secret, you know, he just wishes that there'd be novels and he puts that energy out into the world and it's like happening. The other ones, you know, they had one on dead zone. I think it was dead zone. And like, I think it was all the sci-fi games. They had one on that. Um, they also had a really awesome uh, live feed or seminar, I don't know what you call it, but they had Luigi, their 3D sculptor, and he was working on a Ratkin model. And I think that might be the, you know, I think 
look, the rat, you know, plastic rat can is probably the worst kept secret, but we saw it this weekend. We saw the plastic model, uh, and we saw this other character that they're working on. We saw a 3D printed uh, war chief that that Matt Gilbert had printed on a 3D printer. So they're coming, folks. Uh, I'm super excited because I think that's a real sea change for us. You know, I think when we were back in the, you know, the second edition, I don't think anybody would have predicted at this point today that they would be creating Uncharted Empire models. Like, I, I think most people just thought, hey, we made this Uncharted Empire book. It's for you to use your old Warhammer armies. Get on with it. And that was the end of it. But it turns out what they're doing is they're taking some armies and they're giving them the Mantic Spin. And then they're no longer Uncharted Empires. They're going to be in the they're going to be in the real book. So I, you know, fourth edition, I would expect you know Ratkin to no longer be in the Uncharted Empires book. It'll be in the regular book. It'll be it'll be a Mantic quote unquote Mantic army. Uh, and I am super excited about the miles coming out. I mean, <laughs> it's just really great that as a company they've they could have gone one of two ways, right? Which is here's an army list. So you can play your old models. Now we hope that you buy our models, and that's like a perfectly acceptable thing to do. But not only have they did that, but they're like, okay, here's a list so you can use your other models. And then also we see that you guys really love this type of creature or this theme. So what we're going to do is we're going to mantify it, bring it into our world so that there's more robust flavor, more robust like narrative around it. And then when you guys build this army, you now have an option to buy the models from us. So I feel it's like really listening to your audience. What a banner year. I remember like a few years ago, we're like, man, I just want more plastics. And we were waiting on the next Kickstarter. But, you know, they made it clear they're not going back to Kickstarter for Kings of War. And this year, I mean, we've heard about, we've seen the the plastic goblins. We now know about plastic ratkin, right? We've seen the plastic abyssal dwarves that came out. Beautiful. Amazing. And then ran, and then, and then he talked about ogres too, right? So, I mean, if those all come out this year. It's a ba- bumper crop for Kings of War models, right? I mean, and we've talked a little, we've talked a lot in the past about you know seeing the maturation of Mantic as a company and, and realizing that you know sometimes in any company that's growing, it's one step back, two steps forward, or whatever. Right. But I can't, as a fan of like of Kings of War and of Mantic and Mantic Games, you know they this year what they've been doing in hard plastic and just in army releases in general. I mean, it's uh, you can't deny that this year has grown over last year which grew over the year before you know so each year they're they're moving in the right in the direction that i would want them to be moving so yeah and, and i would say they're accelerating right so today we saw or this weekend we saw the new dread fiend model which is like the uh the character fiend which is fantastic yes. we saw the soul flares which pff, they knocked it out of the park really cool and not at all what i was expecting i i bet there's going to be some undead players that figure out a way to put that in their army as soul reaver cavalry yeah, lots of stuff you could do it as. So, and then we saw we saw better pictures of the uh, the the new ogre characters coming out for Vanguard, as well as the Siegebreaker upgrades. One thing he mentioned that I thought was interesting was that there would be some optional, like uh, some some additional ogre heads and shields and stuff. I guess maybe you could use to to spruce up some of the the regular ogre ogres warriors. So, uh, yeah, it's so much cool stuff coming our way. Yeah, very cool. And then the frosting on the whole cake is this summer campaign book that they mentioned. Well, I should say it was supposed to come out in the summer. Obviously, the madness is probably changed when that's going to actually hit. But basically, they've written a supplement that's uh, got a narrative bent where 
you know, it just amps up all of the magic. So I assume the, you know, the, the spellcaster levels will come into play. Yeah. You know, they, and then in the sort of that uh, dash 28 battle report that they had going on as well, they highlight some of that, uh, of kind of what's the, the new magic stuff. And in the end, Rob, it's like another way to play. So uh, the more ways you can play a game, I think the more robust and rounded out the community will be. So I know a lot of us love Kings of War because it's a great competitive tournament game, but not all players like that. And in general, the more players playing Kings of War, the better it is for all of us. So as they can kind of, you know, introduce these other new ways to play, it's only it's only going to be good for us who are into this game. And one of the ideas that kind of was, I don't know if it was floated, but uh, was maybe maybe you have a, an annual book that's Kings of War and Vanguard. I thought, well, that's a pretty interesting way to, to better tie Vanguard to Kings of War, right? Yeah. Um, they did mention that they don't think the Clash of Kings book will, will be out in December, uh, just because there's not a whole lot of tournament data to really make the changes and the, the adjustments they normally make. So they'll probably move that up to the fall, uh, maybe combine that with this summer campaign book. And so super interesting stuff. Matt Gilbert and, and, and uh, Rob had a great conversation. It's about 50 minutes long. And if you didn't do it, uh, go check the show notes and head over to the YouTube, the Mantic YouTube channel and uh, check it out. It's it. I watched every one of them, which is a surprise because, you know, even the Dead Zone one was great. Uh, they got Matsudon and they've got some newest uh, Asterian Max and uh, they're hitting it out of the park. Even Walking Dead. No, it's been great. They're they're You know, Mantic's always been known for like communicating with their uh, customers in a really good way. And I think they've really kind of been stepping on this virtual open day because like you said rob their open day has always been kind of it's all the local uk guys go to their head office and get to take part in open day but this was the first time that it allowed other people you know outside of the country to take part so so you're gonna build a ratkin army now that you've played that all the old uh, slave list are you are you down to uh, paint up a couple hundred of those bad boys oh uh, uh, man i'm so slow i want to have all the armies but it just takes forever so no i gotta i gotta finish the mass lands um and then I do. I did pick up a bunch of abyssals, mantic. So that's going to be my hundred percent mantic army. Um, so I have a bunch of abyssals. Also, Rob, I'm really excited. Uh, on Monday, mantic was nice enough to send me a um, uh, Hellboy board game that we're going to try out. So I think Hillary is going to help me paint some of those. So wait to get some pictures of getting all those models done. So we're really excited to try that game. Yeah, I picked up walking dead when it was 50% off. I don't know if it's still 50% off, but uh super fun game. You know, uh, I don't know. There's like six survivors and a bunch of walkers and stuff. And you just me and Aubrey been having a blast. Just run around. Pew, pew. You know, it's really nice to see like, you know, not just be like, Oh, I'm interested in Kings of war. I don't play that game. But again, begin to see Mantic really fill out, fill out its different lines of different types of games. So is that if you do want to stay kind of within the Mantic family for all your gaming needs, they have sort of a game to, to hit all your itches. And they did talk a lot about uh firefight and um, Warpath. Uh, there's not a lot of detail there, but it's sort of like one of the, I think that's the one game that's sort of on the radar but I don't think there's any concrete plans to update them. And that's the hardest one, right? Because that has the biggest, you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is how do you truly compete with 40K? Basically, I don't know how you do that, you know? So um, that one doesn't surprise me. That doesn't quite have, I, I don't know how to, that's a sticky wicket, right? I don't know what. To- I think the, the avenue that they're pursuing, it looks like, is they're going to go in through the back door using Dead Zone. <laughs> so I, I think there's some talk of like a Dead Zone XL. I mean, Dead Zone, if you haven't played it, bar none, the best sci-fi skirmish game 
out there. Yeah, no, everyone who plays everyone who plays Dead Zone, I haven't had a chance to play. I mean, that was one of the things that I was going to do at Adepticon this last year that got canceled is Jesse was going to teach me how to play Dead Zone. So it's still on my to-do list. But you talk to anyone who plays Dead Zone, and that's why the whole, like, Dead Zone is life. You know, all those people, you know, like the frantic gamer guys who just are, like, obsessed with Dead Zone. Usually when when they're obsessed with a the game, there has to be a reason. Like, why? They're, they're, they're wackadoos. But you know what? Their wackadoo-ness is justified in this case, I think. Cool. Well, you're going to have to teach me that game at some point. Well, I've got to learn it, too. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I, I pretty much just like painting the models right now. Uh, I've got the base uh, GCPS uh, starter, uh, and then the booster is primed and ready to paint that up. And um, and that's pretty much it. That's the, the thing I really liked about Dead Zone uh, is from a getting into standpoint, if you have friends that already have the terrain and the mat, really, you just buy a $40 starter, and then that's it. That's all you really need. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right to play the game, so and and uh, very cool, very cool. So, uh, what about you? You've been you've been buying anything new? I know in this, I've been spending a ton of money on stuff. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, we've gotten so much stuff. Um, so model wise, the main things I picked up is I, I picked up a big chunk of the abyssals. So I got some succubi, some lower abyssals, some um, matibusu, uh, a few different things for that project. But I think the main thing that we we've been getting uh, is we've been playing a lot of board games. So some of our favorite games that we picked up, we picked up uh, Terraforming Mars and a couple of the expansion. That game is like really, really good. So you know that uh, they just announced something about that for Kickstarter in the very near future. I don't I don't know that it's an expansion. It might be just like a like a like a complimentary game. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a great podcast called Board Game Insider that's run by Stephen Bonacore. Uh, who is the guy who is the U.S. They sell that game. They're they're responsible for terraforming Mars in the U.S. Uh, and it's super cool. So yeah. Well, it's amazing. It's a it's a really uh, top to down, really incredible game. We've been playing. Ooh, I just played for the very first time. And it's funny how you know there are certain games that define genres, and I've just never played it. Is Dominion? Did you ever play that game? <laughs> the card mechanic, yeah. It's like such yeah, a staple of the industry. Like, you, yeah, you would have thought you would have played Dominion. It's a deck building. Yeah, yeah, you deck thought, building. Sorry, it's a card. Yeah, deck building yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, a deck building game. So uh, Hillary really likes that game. So we've been playing that. It's super fun. Um, uh, Castles of Burgundy is another sort of building game that we've been playing a lot. Lords of Waterdeep, um, Carcassonne. Um, we just got this other one made by the guy who makes Dominion called Kingdom Builder, which is sort of like a Go-esque where you're placing little settlements and trying to block your opponent out from building kingdoms. I got one for you if you like that. A game called Castilian. Castilian? Yep, and it comes in a two-player starter, and there's there's actually two different starters, and all, all it is is one's like red-blue and one's green-yellow, and if you combine them, you can have a four-player game. Essentially, what it is is it's a castle-building game, and it's kind of got that, like... Um, what was that game? Maybe like go where you're trying to like mm. make courtyards. And if you're the one to close off a courtyard, then you, that's your courtyard and you score points based on the number of turrets, uh, uh you know, that are around the, the courtyard, super fun game. Um, it's got like a little bit of a, a card mechanic. You play the card, you spend, but there's, you're building a plastic castle. So you know me, man, you got plastic bling on the table. I'm all over it. You're, you're, you're good to go. Exactly. And it's a cheap game. It's not very expensive and uh, it's okay. quick. I mean, maybe like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you're done. I'll add it to the list. You know, we even, wa- we like to watch or I watch and then uh, uh, 
uh, it's tolerated. Um, I like to watch that tabletop with Will Wheaton where they play different games. Is that still on? Uh, well, I don't know if they're still doing new ones, but there's so many episodes that I've just been watching the the whatever's on. That was on the Geek and Sundry channel. Geek and Sundry channel, exactly. So there's a lot of games on that. So that's a, a lot of like my gaming budget since most of the Basileans had been purchased has been um, on board games. What I did get, though is I ordered from Green Stuff World for the basing for my Sisters of Battle. I got their little tiny resin candles. Oh, man. So the idea is that the the Sisters of Battle are going to be in like a monastery. So they're going to have like monastery stone floor. But I'm going to have all these little candles like they're walking through like a monastery with candles on the ground. You know you need to add LEDs to those, right? Yeah, well, that's – see, you're you're reading my brain. So – I got that, and then I had to, since I'm doing infantry for my Basilean army, I ran out of my special Shibor lion shields. So I ordered some more, and last time I ordered, it took like a month. And now during lockdown, it took five days for me to get it from Poland. So I don't quite know why it was so quick, but um, I got it. So um, yeah, so I'm working on that. yeah, so lots of stuff. I got I got plenty to work on the abyssals. We got plenty of board games. Um, I got some uh, of the contrast paints that I've been messing around with. Um, so lots, lot. My hobby hobby uh, has been pretty busy. Oh, and then I got a new computer. Right, I think I told you this. Yeah, so, you had to, man. It was yeah. it was time, dude. Yeah, it was time. So I had. I mean, you literally you had to buy it. I had to. I mean, I had. I know. So what I d- decided to get because uh, I live in a small, or we have a one-bedroom condo, but I don't really have a spot for a dedicated desktop. So I ended up getting like a nice Alienware gaming laptop. So it's a laptop, and because technically it is, but it has two separate big power bricks. So it's not meant to like put in my backpack and carry around, but it's like a good desktop replacement. It's a portable gaming PC. That's exactly what it is. So I got that, and I've been sucked into the world of Warhammer Total War. That oh, game, geez. That game is, Come on, man. That game is incredible, man. I've been playing that and then playing um, Vermintide. Have you ever heard of that game? I have. Yeah. That's an older game, though. Well, they have Vermintide 2. It's like a sequel. Okay. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever played any of the Left 4 Dead games, so it's like a co-op hack and smash where you're, you're with three other players, and it's a first-person shooter sort of, and you're going on a mission. And you can play different, like a, a dwarf slayer or a bright wizard, and you just like fight massive amounts of skaven and zombies, and you just you hack them to cut off their heads. So it's like Diablo, totally kind of, big hack yeah. and slash, like loaded up for thirty minutes and then not play it again. You know, it's a cool, just like quick, quick bite game. Um, yeah, so I've been doing that. You know, I'm excited. Uh, now that the painting uh, uh, contest is behind us, I'm gonna get try to get back to recording some more episodes. I know people are hungry for List Builder Studio, so I definitely plan on um, doing a List Builder Studio with whoever wins the Call to Arms UB tournament. Um, and that's something we haven't really talked about much. Rob, have you been? I know you're not really playing in it, but have you been following any of the Call to Arms UB stuff? Yeah, so like I, I don't do universal battles. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an in-person gamer, but I do appreciate uh, some of the stuff that you know Dash Twenty Eight's been live streaming some of the games and some of the commentary, uh, and it's been fun on After Dark. You get on there, and you know some of you guys will be watching the game, 
uh, and then saying, oh my God, I can't believe what a dumb move Jeremy just made. Oh, he just lost the game because of it. So it's kind of fun to listen to some of that uh, color commentary off the cuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, it, it sounds like it's great. I mean, what do they have? Over 100 and some people, right? Yeah, I think it was like, a hundred. I want to say like 140 or 150, you know, somewhere in that uh, ballpark. Um, and a true international field. I mean, there's yeah. people from all kinds of countries. I think Spain, it's- Germany, UK, Canada. Australia, U.S., I mean, all over the place. It's been fun just to have something to follow. You know, back in the day, right, Rob? Back in the day, right, you'd have, okay, it's Lone Wolf weekend. So even if you weren't at Lone Wolf that weekend, you would be following, okay, who's winning? Who's who's looking good on day one? You know, what are the armies? And not having those tournaments to follow has been kind of a bummer. So at least the, the call to arms has been really nice, where at least it's like there's some action happening. So... Shout out to um, uh, all the UK guys and to Dan Miner and Tom Annis and some of the US people who have been chipping in piece to run that logistically is like, oh, geez, big time. So, um, you know, thank you to you guys for for doing that. I really it's really appreciated. That's about it. Just, uh, you know, I'm 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 assembling the Basilean infantry. I got that test model almost done. Um, trying some new skin techniques, some new metal techniques. Pretty happy with how it's coming out. Um, that's I think what I'm going to try to do is get that horde of spearmen slash infantry done. And then it's like trying to kind of just look in the horizon to, you know, is the first tournament back going to be TNT? Is it going to be Living Legends in September? You know, trying to look to the fall to see hopefully we'll, we'll you know, who knows what, the new normal will be like, but we will have tournaments again at some point. Maybe they'll be different, but, um, so I'm just trying to think about, you know, be positive and be safe and be science informed. But I think being excited and looking forward to things, getting more back to normal is not a bad thing. I just want to mention, you know, when we post stuff up on Facebook and, and all these different groups and stuff are going back to normal, you know, all of our situations are different. And it's, it's up to all of us individually to make our own decision of when we're ready to go back and engage. However, if the madness is gone, I do want to announce that we will be having a two-day GT um, at Siege World, uh, August 22nd and 23rd. It's technically in Illinois, but it's across the river from St. Louis. So it is going to be both a mountain and a Midwest qualifier. Ooh, very cool. It's 1,905 points. 1,905? Correct. Cool. Yep, 1905, and uh, I will put a link to the pack in the show notes for those that would be interested. Uh, you know, it's not we're not expecting huge numbers this year, obviously, with all things considered, but if the world's back to somewhat normal, uh, we're ready to get back on this train and, and get rolling with some great Kings of War. You know, and to me, it's like, Rob, uh, you know, obviously the things are, are going to change on some level, and that's scary, but I just kind of go back to who knows how it's going to be, but... You know, prior to 9-11, we would never have thought that, like, taking our shoes off at the airport would be, like, would be weird. or what, And now that's just part of airplane travel. So I imagine that stuff will come out of this where we'll change how we are about certain things. But uh, I, I think there's got to be a middle ground between the, oh, it's a conspiracy, everyone go back to work, or the doom and gloom. Like, there's got to be some sort of, like, middle ground to where let's make smart choices Let's like be. Let's look at science. Let's make the choices that you said that are best for our own selves and our own family. But I think trying to think about creatively how to bring us all back together is is positive too. I want to I want to say thanks again to absolutely everyone who entered 
any of your models that I know you guys care so much about. I care so much about all the stuff that I do. So I just want to thank, I feel really privileged to have everyone share with us all that their, their creative adventures during this lockdown. I would say let's, you know, keep strong, keep looking out for each other. You know, uh, I know there's probably going to be more months of this as we transition to the new world, but just know that as a community, let's look out for each other and stay positive. And um, hopefully, you know, this time next year, I'll be uh, uh, seeing you guys all across the table from me at various tournaments. And um, yeah, any final thoughts from you, Robbo? You know what? I'm ready to get back to work. (laughs) I've been working from home and, and I am one of those rare people that can't work from home. I had to convince them to let me go in one day a week. So starting on the 20th on Wednesdays, I'm going to be working in my office, but just to get them to let me do that. And I'm the same way as like, I'm, I wear gloves, I wear a mask, I'm very safe, but I need to be in my office. Otherwise I lose my mind. So, well, I, my, my problem is that, you know, I'm working downstairs and I know that if I just go up the stairs, the hobby world is, is my oyster. <laughs> so it's like, I just don't have any willpower. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be like, Oh, I think I'll, I'll play this game or I'll, I'll start painting this model while I'm on a conference call. You know? I've actually got to go into work tomorrow for the first time since we've been off. been like eight weeks. I've got to get my laptop fixed. You know, they've got the, the same parameters. You know, they're going to check my temperature when I come in. They're going to make me wear a mask. It should be, should be interesting. Well, cool. Well, right on, everyone. Stay safe. Keep hobbying. Keep, play, uh, you know play those computer games, get on UB. Let's talk about what are our armies going to be when we come back? What, you know, what events are we looking forward to? You know, let's continue to kind of create this positive energy and pay it forward. So um, on that note, uh, thanks for joining us. And remember to always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on counter charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 